Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 395, covering If Memory Serves. Hi friends, it's it's us again. We're back. We're here once again, and uh, here's a shock. We actually liked this. Yeah. This is an episode we enjoyed. Yeah, I was very surprised and very happy about that. Man, I have been wanting yeah. to be to enjoy disco for quite a while now. I mean, I kind of fell out of favor with it before you did. You you hung on longer. I really like these guys. I want to see what they're up to, but they keep yeah. being up to dumb things. Yeah, and this felt like I don't know if it's because the showrunners switched around this time or what, but it really felt like and we'll talk about this in a minute. Someone took all the plot threads and made the most sense out of them that they could. Yeah, they took all the plot threads and made them into a delightful sweater. Uh, yeah, something like that. A delightful, self-referential, uh, fan-service-y sweater. I, you know, I've said this many times on the show, and I will continue to say it. I'm a fan, mm -hmm. so you know what? I kind of like being serviced. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to way tell to you. Put but... that. You use the word fan service. You you locked me into that course. I can't help it, man. Service me. Don't blame me for your food not getting serviced. Well, the show hasn't been servicing me very much. It's kind of a loveless, uh, sexless marriage here for a while, but uh, now we're back. Deeply uncomfortable. For who knows how long, though. But why don't why don't you tell us what happens in uh, if memory serves? See, serves. Ah. All right, so previously on Star Trek, we watched The Cage eight times. And now the continuation. Mike and Spock beat Cheeks for Talos 4, while Section 31 bosses everyone around and forces Discovery to pick through the shattered remains of the exploded chronocephalopod, which according to my, uh, which according to autocorrect is a real word. Huh. Arriving on Talos 4 after battling an illusion, Michael, our heroes run smack dab into Vina, former green girl, accident victim, and short skirt haver. She tries to get Spock to remember her, but he's in a coma, it's been 60 years, and also they are both different actors, so it takes a few minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mike admires a singing flower in much the same way that Nimoy did years ago, and then we meet the Telosians, who are still big-headed, throbby creeps. Also, Vina keeps upsettedly whispering to them about them to Michael, which makes me a little worried. Are you okay, Vina? <laughs> Back on Discovery, Hugh is still getting used to that whole being alive in a body made out of mushrooms thing, and Paul is a little unsure of what to do, what with nobody ever having come back to life before. Things come to a head when Hugh and Lieutenant Agent Ash Tyler have an altercation in the mess hall in front of everybody. Rah, rah, says Saru, his skull teeth a tingle. <laughs> Back on Talos 4 again, Spock starts remembering things about the Red Angel and how it sa helped him save Michael from some sort of Vulcan monster back in the day, and also how he is not, nor has he ever been, a murder. It was probably the shadowy organization employing genocidal monsters who did that dirty deed. Mike contacts Pike on Disco, but they have trouble getting the spore drive to spin up. Everyone blames Tyler because why wouldn't they? I blame him, and I know for a fact that he didn't do it. It's actually, of course, Arium, who has been possessed by the previously mentioned Mecha Squid. You can tell by her evil eyes, which the camera insists on zooming in on when it isn't frantically spinning around the room so we can get an upside-down shot of the Section 31 ship. 
Speaking of Section 31, they arrive at Talos 4 with Disco Hot in pursuit and attempt to kidnap the Seric siblings, but Michael bamboozles them and then Spock gives them the finger. With Spock on board, Discovery fucks off, pursued by the entire Federation, and Giorgio gets even closer to her plan to oust Leland and, I assume, eat him. Almost certainly. Because she loves eating people. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Let's never forget, Giorgio killed all guys. The the star of the upcoming Section 31 show definitely ate people. And killed billions of other people. I mean, we might as well just go into my bad thing Uh here. I know, I'm positive I've used Section 31 as my bad thing before, but fuck it, I'm going to say it again. At least three different people have approached me on social media recently with genuine confusion as to why I'm not thrilled with this season of Disco. We've talked about this. Like, Mm -hmm. the fandom seems generally in favor of this season over the last season. And... Apart from the needlessly complicated plotting, the main reason is Section 31. Like, apart from the obvious fact that I hate having a sinister secret police force in my show about scientists working in a utopian future, they're just so one note. They're cartoon supervillains. This was our complaint about the, the Suliban a long time mm-hmm. ago. Like, or uh, was it the, the Zindi? It they're might have both. been both. Honestly, it was yeah. both. Yeah. Every time the, we cut the back to had their... the Council of Doom. Right, that's right. Every time we cut back to their headquarters ship, it's basically to say, and soon we will destroy Discovery and Michael Burnham. It's a whole extra unnecessary layer of plot complication and conflict in a show that's already overwhelmed with both of those things. And yeah, once again, of course I think Michelle Yeoh is great. How could you not think that? And she's clearly having fun doing all this, but... I'm not having fun watching her because once again, she's a genocidal intergalactic tyrant who literally eats people. And if you think, okay, maybe they're softening her for the spinoff. I submit to you at exhibit R for the prosecution. She mentions genociding the mirror universe Talosians in this very episode. And that's the thing. I also, I love Michelle Yeoh also. Of course. Like she has, I, she has these moments that are so fucking funny. Yeah. She had one in this episode, and I can't remember what it was, but it was another, like, last time. where she, Did you kill your mother? It was a blur. Yeah. But, like, she's so good, but you cannot base a series around someone who fucking killed billions of people. Yeah, and, and is still unrepentant about it to this day. Yeah. Like... They're having a hard enough time getting us to give a fuck about Agent Lieutenant Bad Penny Bag Salad Ash Tyler, mm-hmm. but and they're not doing a good job of it. Yeah. But he killed one guy, and we're still not happy about that. Technically but, that uh technically that death became a mulligan when that guy came back to life. So I will we'll talk about that further in a moment. But Am I a murderer? With, but with um Well, I mean he had another guy. Mm-hmm. You know, all those mushrooms. He got a one-up God mushroom. Damn it. <laughs> but oh fuck! But Giorgio saying, "Yeah, these guys pulled this illusion shit in my universe, and I murdered them." And it was—it's played like a a badass moment. It's played like you're so clearly supposed to go, "Yeah, kill those people," and it's like gross. That's not Star Trek. No, this... and okay, they're the villains in this show. I get that, mm-hmm. and. I, it probably wouldn't bother me quite as much if I didn't know they were getting a, a spinoff, but we spend so much time with them. Yeah. Like, they're the they're the main focus of this season, really, mm-hmm. like, apart from this whole Spock thing. Yeah. And, oh, I just don't... And they get to order Starfleet around, which doesn't... Like, so, the, the, the top of the chain of command is 
the secret police that answered to no one. That's not a good way to run a government. Well, like, the thing was, like, that was sort of hinted at back in DS9 when these guys were first in, like, when these guys yeah. were f- first showed up was that, like, they had that autonomy to do whatever they wanted. But the price for that is no one knows who they are. Everyone knows who they everyone are. Everyone knows mean, who they are. And, that, like, every, everyone's talking about the fucking black badges again. No, and we get a flashback to Spock in the mental institution, and what they say was, well, you can't check yourself out yet. We've called Section 31. And he's like, oh, those guys. Like, he knows. Everyone knows. Like, they're not the secret police anymore. They're just police. Yeah. I was going to say mean police, but, like, let's, you know. Yeah, that's redundant. Yeah. They're they're just the police. Yeah. And, And, like, with unlimited power to do whatever they want and order everyone around and, like, that, uh, Yeah. Just... Ah, uh, like really, Agent Lieutenant Ash Tyler is allowed to, like uh, Christopher Pike is expected to follow his orders. Yeah. Bullshit. Like you know, this is the whole point of Section Thirty One, and the th- re- thing that made it interesting to begin with is like it was this weird tick that had sort of burrowed itself into the Federation, and you couldn't well, get rid of it. And you get the idea that you know, like the CIA, like yeah. who who let's be clear has done. Lots and lots of fucked up stuff uh-huh. and should not have been allowed to do. Like, I'm not defending any of that, but and and also half the shit they do bites us in the ass later. Mm-hmm. But every now and then it'd be like, oh, this government was almost going to topple. And then some mysterious force pushed it over and that worked out to everyone's benefit. I wonder who did that. <laughs> like, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. It's still bad and shady and questionable in so many ways, but that's. That's supposed to be how it works is like they just tip the scales a little bit. Yeah. But you never know it's them. I just. But it it doesn't work like yeah. that. It just it feels like Disco keeps forgetting that like the Federation's, you know, a utopia. It's supposed to be. We're supposed to be like, you know, the good guys here. And but, employing and, genocidal monsters is not. No. You know, and, the greatest, and, <laughs> the greatest uh, realization of that. No. And, and we're both. Uh, you know, well on the record is saying, okay, well, Gene's idea of no conflict is stupid. Yeah. You still have, you still have a, a utopia filled with humans who are fallible. Yeah. And, you know, aliens that stand in for humans, but you know what I mean? People. Yeah. No, we, we, can, we've always Like said, Michael Burnham is a mess. Yeah. It's one of the things that's so great about her. Yeah. But she's a mess who lives in a utopia and that's what makes it worse is she's ruining it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like, like it, 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 it feels like, it it feels like we're losing that, you know, what Star Trek is supposed like is supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fine with Section 31 as a as a concept on DS9. If they if they had popped up in one episode of Discovery, you'd be like, OK, yeah, that's that's good continuity. It but ju- they're this they're in this entire season, man. Well, that's the thing. It feels like it's a concept that a lot of writers have fallen in love with because they, remember, they also shut, popped up in, in uh, into darkness for no particular reason. Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, they showed up late in uh, in Enterprise. Like in Enterprise, yeah, they did. It's just a concept that the right the writers have fallen in love with. I feel like this feels very much like when writers talk about how hard it is to write Superman and a lot of them say he's boring mm-hmm. because nobody wants to write a pure character or a pure scenario. They uh. want to introduce, like, that's how you end up with fucking uh, Zack Snyder's vision of Superman. Ugh. Because someone looks at the real concept of Superman and says, no. 
this needs some more darkness. This needs some more edge. This is too pure for me. And yeah. it feels like that's what a lot of these writers are doing is like, is there something in Star Trek that isn't so wholesome? Because this is this is too wholesome for me. Yeah, we'll never forget that Zack Snyder thought that Superman needed to learn that it was wrong to kill people by killing a guy. So no, I, I under that's all terrible. But I'm saying I think the same kind of thinking. Yeah, is is happening with all these Star Trek writers where they're like, ah, I would like to play in this universe, but is there something a little more knifey? I want some knives. There's not enough knives in this. <laughs> knifing around. Yeah, they do. They really just want to go knifing around. Cut, 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 cut. But okay, so I think I think we've we've pretty much complained about that as much as we can this yeah. time because there's a lot of good here and there I wanted is. to get that this out of the way. This was a really fun episode and I really I really liked watching it. I mean, it opens like you said with. Previously on Star Trek with the classic uh, logo and the music and we see clips from the cage again. That was and so that was so good. And ju it just like how great is it to be watching a Star Trek show that's not ashamed to be Star Trek? Yeah, right. Like, I don't love the prequel setting for a lot of reasons I've I've talked about, mm. but this was a good use of it, I yeah. thought. And the thing, one of the things I really like about it, like, it, I went into this episode like last week when we were like, hey, we're heading to Talos 4. I was like, oh, come on. How are they going to shoehorn their crap into into that episode and make this all make not make sense? But it actually made sense. But on it, like, first of all, Talos 4 is replicated really well. Yeah, it like, is. that's your good thing, right? Yeah, like, it's a, this is another great example of updating stuff that we haven't seen since literally the first episode of Star Trek. Yeah. And it all looks great. The new Talosians look classic but updated. Mm -hmm. Like, and the singing flowers look really cool. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the kind of con continuity that I'm here for. You know, like, it's it's really neat. And honestly, using the cage as your background, which, you know, just by, just by, be, just because it doesn't have Kirk in it, is, yeah. like, like it's such an unexplored part, part of, uh, of Trek. Yeah, but it, to me, it was such a self-contained story. And at the end, they said, no one can come back here. And, yeah. like, that kind of closes it off. So... You have to navigate a lot of very tricky waters to make this work in continuity and also be interesting, and they did that. Yeah, they really did. Like this, I did not expect them to to stick that landing at all. Yeah, and like, I just I really like all of it. the Talosians are like weirdly menacing. I mentioned this in my uh, in my uh, plot summary, but like, Vina does this thing occasionally where she'll like she'll sort of whisper to Michael that's like, "Do you do not you do not want to piss the Talosians off?" Okay, like. They're very nice most of the time. And I'm just like, yeah. Vina, do you need help? Yeah, and I can't tell if that's textual or if the actor put it in there or if you were just reading into it. But mm. once you pointed it out, I saw it, too. Yeah, it was like, I, I, I'm not sure what they're going for. And if it if it's what they're go like, if what they're doing is that, like, these guys are being, like, cruel to her when nobody's watching. That's really worrying considering how things work out for her and Pike. Well, thinking of it in those terms, it feels more like the um, uh, that Twilight Zone episode, Wish Him Into the Cornfield, where everything's perfect and fine as long as you don't piss off the one with the, the power to make you happy. Yeah, right. It, was it that one or am I confusing that with another one? I don't know. There's definitely a Twilight Zone where you get to live in a utopia as long as you don't piss off the person. Well, it's not a utopia. utopia. It was like the uh, the little kid that was in charge of everything. They made that. Yeah, that's that what I'm saying. Episode I, about it. I think. Yeah, I think I might be confusing my Twilight Zone episodes mm. though. But there was one really good Twilight Zone episode where everything's perfect and great as long as you don't like you know upset anything. Yeah. And it had that kind of feel to it. What I love is their unapologetic embracing of 
the 60s aesthetic. Yes. Like there was so much good sound design, weird sort of theremin sounds yeah, and, that was and the great. score. The score got a little 60s-ish. Vina, the the actor they cast didn't really look anything like the original one, but she was a good actor mm. and they weren't afraid to give her the like really intense 60s hair and makeup and costumes. Oh yeah. To like she looked like one of the wives from Mad Men. This yeah. was unmistakably from 1966. Mm. And it's cool they went back to this planet that should exist in the 23rd century, and it looks like the 60s. Yeah, well, I like that a lot, like embracing yeah. the, the 60s-ness of it and just updating it instead of, yeah. you know, we have well, to that's... change everything to make it look like the the, uh, the the late aughts now. Yeah, and I... um Late aughts, the late tens. What the fuck's wrong with that? I me? was going to say, like, yeah. No, and I don't, like, I, I said this throughout the, uh, the original series when we were watching the Blu-ray restores. Like... Being respectful to the original designs and just making them look better mm-hmm. is I'm all f- I'm all for that. Yeah. What I don't like is when they completely redesign everything. Yeah. But staying true to the original intent and just making it better, like the like you said, the singing flowers looked the same. They just didn't look like plastic on wires anymore. Yeah. And I wish they hadn't just shown us the clip and said Michael and Spock are a mirror about fifty times because <laughs> the moment when Michael touches the flower and smiles exactly like like Nimoy did mm-hmm. was so good if yeah. if they hadn't beat you over the head with waiting for it. Yeah. I it was still good. It was very good. Yeah. But it would have been better if they didn't say this is coming. Huh? Look for it. Huh? Mm-hmm. Here she comes. She's walking up to the flower. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Okay. It was still very good. But yeah, all this like sometimes I hate the sound design on the show and that's a thing I noticed cuz you know, I work a lot in audio stuff. Sure. And a lot of what they do, like with the uh, Ba'ul a couple of weeks ago, with the weird sort of like bass heavy, hard to understand. Oh, you bullshit. mean the, the Ba'ul? Yeah, that. You know, the, the sound from Inception personified. Uh huh. But the Ba'ul. this, because it was so steeped in 60s stuff, it not only sounded respectful of the source, it also didn't sound like anything you hear now because everyone sort of shies away from that that theremin heavy stuff yeah. because it sounds so dated now and everyone's like oh i don't want to sound like cheesy 60s and so because of that you're not used to hearing it and it sounds extra weird now mm-hmm. which i like a lot it, it makes it sound more alien just because it's something you don't hear in a modern thing anymore yeah. i miss i miss theremin aliens oh me too i miss all of that stuff yeah. like there's a very there's a very distinctive vibe to all of that in the cage that didn't really transfer to the rest of trek honestly mm-hmm like they had different people working on it, and it, it I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, my good thing. Yes. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but Spock. The whole episode really felt like, like I said, good writers came in, looked at all the dumb ideas and stupid plot threads that have been building this season, and did their best to make sense of the nonsense and make something actually good out of the potentially sucky parts. Um, maybe this is the point at which the showrunner situation got sorted. I think it might be. I hope so. One of the things I was most dreading this season, which I think I've been very clear about, is Spock. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to come back to this guy. His story's already been told a million times. And Nimoy brought something really special to the role, and we really lucked out with Zach Kinto, and it seemed extremely unlikely that they'd managed to pull it off a third time. But they did. And he's great. He looks he looks and sounds and feels like Spock. And the best part is his relationship with Michael is fantastic from the get-go. Like, 
the whole point of bringing him in is not, oh, here's more Spock. Let's all pretend to care about this guy again. Mm -hmm. It's okay. If you're going to create this character who's Spock's sister, let's show what that relationship was like. Yeah. If you're like, they made the choice back in season one to like, okay, we're going to, we're going to bring up this character who is closely related to one of the most important characters in Star Trek. If you're going to do that, like, yeah. You you need like there's there better be some goddamn chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, and they're god, they're completely was. Yeah. Um and honestly, I I um I've never been happier to be wrong about something than I am about this. He didn't kill anyone. He's not a knife-waving psycho and we didn't even do a terrible Hannibal Lecter in a glass cage seat. Mm -hmm. Like I I was so like I, I know I come off a little arrogant when I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. I want to be wrong about that. I so do. Yeah. This show just doesn't usually surprise me. And I hate that. I want to just I want to feel like an idiot and say, you know what? I just need to shut up and sit back and watch because yeah. they know what they're doing. I haven't felt like that in a while, but but this kind of got me back there. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. This so, is the, you know, this is the shit I turn up for, man. Like, no. And, and you know. Like I said, in a, in a way that apparently upsets you. Like I like fan service. Yeah, I like. I, no, like, tr trust me, I'm well aware of how how you feel about being serviced. <laughs> I I just if they're gonna do stuff for the for the long time Star Trek fans, I want it to feel effective and not pandery. Yeah, and right. There were a couple of moments that felt a little too much, but for the most part, this felt like, oh, you took what was already there and you built on it. Yeah. You, you created this new relationship. You get, you actually added something to Spock that I didn't know about that doesn't contradict anything else. And you added a, a dimension to Pike who we've been getting to know and like, yes. like because Venus shows up and he like fucking almost just falls on the ground in horror. Like, Oh no, not you again. Oh God. That was so good. Yeah. And Amanda had to point it out to me because the first time either I wasn't paying attention or I didn't notice, but yeah, his, his look of absolute horror. Yep. Like, oh, God, I've been gone from you guys for, like, two years. I thought this was all over, and uh, why Why are you back? I love you, Chris. Uh-oh. Oh. And they really very effectively used the established logic of how the Telosian illusion stuff works yeah. to sidestep Section 31. Well, they can monitor all our, our transmissions, and they can hear everything that's going on on the ship. Yeah, but they can't hear mental projections from aliens they don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Isn't that always the way? You think you got everything <laughs> planned out, and then it turns out that you can't hear the alien projections you've never heard of. Ah, uh, you you, the most obvious thing is always the thing you should check first. You got me again, you damn Telosians. Yeah. No, I liked I liked all of that. And I liked Vina as this sort of... Because we know what's going to happen eventually with Pike. Yeah. And he's kind of trapped between this bad experience I had and this happy question mark ending I'm going to have... Uh, and it's a nice sort of in-between thing that didn't feel shoehorned in. It actually added something mm -hmm. to his character, too. And I liked it. Yeah. Man, even in the menagerie, when they wander off at the end, it's like, yeah, they're going to live together happily forever in an illusion. I'm like, that's probably not the best. I don't, that doesn't bother me. Like, I like that her attitude is not like everyone else in Star Trek. It's like, yeah, I get to live Forever in an illusion. That's mm -hmm. great. Everyone else is like, I want my pain. I want my, I don't want illusions. This isn't real. My it's horse jumped real. the thing. My horse jumped the thing perfectly every time. This is not right. <laughs> ah, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take the illusion. <laughs> I'm retired. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've been saying that you think uh, this season's going to end with, um, with Pike in the wheelchair. And Absolutely. I don't think so. Cause I, th I think those events were very recent in the menagerie, I think Spock 
found out it happened to Pike and then went to save him. Basically, I I am gonna call it right now, and we'll you know we'll see. I don't think the timeline lines up, but you might be right. Like it would not surprise me in the especially if he's not coming back for season three. If he like if they've just if they decide that Pike is gonna stick around, which I hope they don't. I uh, like the guy I'm, a lot, but like I'm getting the impression we're gonna get a different captain every year. I could be wrong about that. That's just a guess. Mm. They're really sticking but, it to those guys at the cons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got to do that painting with like 50 guys. Yeah, right. No, they, they, what they said from the beginning about the show was it's not about the captain. No, and I He's like there. that. I've always, thought, I've always thought that was an interesting uh, yeah. uh, idea to go for your new disco show or for your new uh, Star Trek show just because yeah. it's always about the captain. Yeah, exactly. We said repeatedly through Next Gen when it was the best and when anyone got any character development, it was Picard. Everyone else was just kind of like they had interesting stories here and there. But Picard's the only one who really learned and grew and Mm. changed over seven years. Everyone else kind of just did their thing. Yeah, right. And that's what it was like in most of the shows. But, you know, like I I wouldn't mind that. I mean, we all want Saru to be the captain, of course. I mean, yes, we do. That's probably never going to happen. He's earned it, damn it. I mean, you would think so. He had what would have been my quote if if this was my episode to pick, which and and we need to talk about this. But there's oh, yeah. that whole fight between uh, Lieutenant Bag Salad and um, Doctor Boy uh, Hugh. Yeah, although and, now uh, he's, I guess he's just doctor now. Actually, he's not even a doctor right now. So, well, I think he's still recovering. I think they're like I think even um, uh, Doctor Pollard a week or two ago said, uh, "When you're ready to come back to work, you mm. know, we're 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 ready for you." Something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, give him a damn minute. Mm-hmm. But, um, what I like is, um, after all that happens and Saru is like, yeah, I, I figured that fight just needed to happen. Yeah. And, and, and Pike says, I, that's not really, that's not really, you know, by the book, you know, I'm kind of a by the book guy. And Saru says the most snarky thing I've heard it, since Bones. Mm-hmm. Which is, oh, really, does the book have something to say about a Starfleet officer with a Klingon grafted inside him fighting a guy made out of mushrooms who just got resurrected? Oh, it doesn't, does it? (laughs) So good. Very good use of Saru now having a backbone. Like, that's a good way to to continue showing that he's changed now Mm -hmm. and make him interesting and not just aggressive. Only problem there is that then Pike points out is like... You know, I don't think you would have said that two weeks ago before you got your head teeth, which I that honestly, I liked that because I forgot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's a little that's a little sassy for Saru. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's got his head teeth now. He's yeah. a big boy, a very big boy. <laughs> his his grown up head teeth came in. <laughs> his baby head teeth dropped out. Yep. And uh, we, we developed a theory that the reason he swings his arms like that is because he's uh, he's generating clean energy for the ship. <laughs> Saru is short for renewable energy. <laughs> this is a walking windmill. Oh, well, you know, good for him. He provides a valuable service to the ship. Then Don Quixote runs in and knocks him over. <laughs> Leave me alone. So we had the whole uh, uh, Hugh having trouble adjusting. Thing. Yes, there's a. I actually very, really liked that. Th- there's a very sad scene of uh, uh, Hugh and Paul trying to have dinner together. What what I like, we've talked about this since the first time I remember it coming up, and it might not have been the first time, but the first time I remember, is that episode of Next Gen when Jordy gets, like, tortured by the Romulans. Yeah. And then the next episode, he's, like, doing something extra light and fun with Data or something. Yeah, it's like they followed it up with uh, uh, Elementary Dear Data or something. Yeah, I mean, that's not how it worked, but some, you know, something, like, yeah, something just like that. Yeah. 
I don't remember. And someone's going to like say, oh, well, actually, yeah, okay, whatever. It's fine. It's all fine. The point is something really rough happened to him. And okay, I get Next Gen wasn't really serialized. But what you do is at least you shuffle him into the background for the next episode. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explicitly talk about it. But at the very least, don't have him like going on a dune buggy go-kart <laughs> adventure ride with, with Data or something. Wee! I love being happy! Sorry, that's Picard. Um, You know. To the water park or whatever. That's more like Picard that's more does like love dune buggies and the water park. I mean, probably. I can't wait to ride on the great on the big slide. <laughs> going to bring my <laughs> inner tube. I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm Captain Picard, and I'm okay. Go- and I'm going to Waterworld. <laughs> no, it's got to have some stupid name like uh, Big Splashes, or you know, I don't know. Big fun S- at Waterloo. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Ziggy Piggy. <laughs> and he does the pig snout thing. Um, Ate a shit ton of ice cream today. <laughs> Number but, one you was know, like, can I have some ice cream? And I was like, no, I'm the captain. I can have all the ice cream I want. Replicator. Infinite ice cream. I get three scoops. Everybody else gets two. <laughs> but we, we said this as far back as that, maybe further. And we've said it a lot. Like, when... Weird Star Trek shit happens. Mm-hmm. It affects people. Like, yeah. I'm fine. Like, okay, the way they brought him back was super dumb. Mm-hmm. But they did it. Yeah. And I would rather this than then just hand wave it and say, and then he and Paul went back to normal. Yeah. No, man. No, This like, would fuck with you. You died, and now you're made of mushrooms. And then you lived feral for, like, what? Like, um, like it was like... Six months or something yeah, like months. that. Yeah, Yeah. No, it's, it's a good, like... Whenever this weird Star Trek shit happens, I like when they take a minute and say, okay, yeah, but the adjustment period, like, sure, this thing happens in our universe all the time. That doesn't mean everyone just shrugs it off. Yeah, It takes a while. And he's having real trouble. And he's like, I can't just go back to this. This is, this feels wrong. And like, why are you being so nice to me now? Our whole thing was you're kind of a dick who works too much. And this is, and, and Stamets is just like, yeah, but. I thought I'd lost you, and I'm trying to change because I don't want to lose you again. And oh, that it's broke so my sweet. heart. Anthony so... Rapp is so good in this. Oh, God, he just sells that heartbreak so there, much. There, there's a line where he just, like, why are you so angry at me? And I felt so bad for him. Yep. I love it. I love it so much. And I don't think the guy who plays Hugh is maybe the best actor. Mm. He's not bad. He's doing his best. Yeah, but they they have him playing some pretty hardcore emotions here, and I'm I'm not completely sold on all of it. But Anthony Rapp definitely does. I don't know, man. That scene where he walks into into uh, the oh no, that's okay. Fucking kicks that chair. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that scene a lot, and I just wanted him to keep hitting, you know, Lieutenant Ash Tyler because fuck that guy. Oh, I could watch that all watch that all day, just on an infinite loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking no, and I like Saru. Tyler. I like <laughs> very good. Uh, I can't believe that hasn't come up before. I know, right? Mm. I've been workshopping that one since last yeah. year. <laughs> Practicing your tight five on Lieutenant Bag Salad. Nailed it. <laughs> Just doing a drop-in at a comedy club. So you, yeah, exactly. You know, make sure it's perfect. Do you guys want to hear some stuff about Star Trek? No. Uh-huh. Oh, damn it. Shit. Um, That's all I got, so. All right, I'll see you later. Yeah. Next up is Spider-Man with his tight five. <laughs> So the kingpin is so fat. <laughs> no, I like that Saru sort of holds back. He he holds Stamets back like, hey, don't uh, 
don't get involved. This this needs to play out. And I don't feel like he needs to hold anyone else back. Everyone else just kind of wants to see that, too. Yeah, right. We've all been waiting for this for a while now. Yeah. I mean, he murdered him. Mm-hmm. He literally murdered him. I'm going to say it's probably not the best decision in the world to have the guy who got murdered and his murderer both serving on the same ship. Yeah, um, but uh, that I, comes back to that Section 31 has ultimate authority thing. They didn't choose to have him here. They were they were forced to bring him aboard. Well, and unfortunately, right now, they're, you know, being chased by Section 31, so they can't really drop him off at a space station or anything. But I mean, now would be the best time because now who's going to yell at them? They're already in trouble. Yeah, right. Just just like leave him on a planet somewhere. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, we talked about this SETI before. Alpha 5, the guy. Yeah. We talked about this before. I don't want to lose Stamets because I love him, but... Of course. What is he doing? Like... Well, they s- tried to spin up the mushroom drive in this episode for some reason. I I really don't understand that other than the fact, like, you... First of all, you don't need it. You have a perfectly functioning warp drive. You yeah. Talos 4 isn't somewhere magic that we can only get to with the spore drive. It's no, in, it's, it's... It's in space. People yeah, go there. Yeah, it's in Federation space, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I get like having wanting, I'm wanting to go there faster, but like, also we just learned last week that like, stop doing that. Yeah. Maze people are like, you're destroying their habitat and you can't use this thing anymore. They already mothballed it once at the end of season one. Yeah. Then they did a whole episode about why it's bad to use it. Why are we still using it? Yeah. Like, I feel like the reason is because they want Stamets to have a job. They don't want to lose the character and I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But. They need to give him another job. Yeah, no, like, transfer him down to engineering or something. Yeah, I mean, I want the chief engineer to be Jet Reno, but, you I know, mean, he could... yeah, I would love to have Jet Reno show up every week. Yeah, but he could do something yeah. that leaves him in a prominent spot so we're seeing him all the time. Put him on the bridge, whatever, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to lose yeah, the character yeah, either. Yeah, it's always weird when he's on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Everyone's he does just... feel like an engineering-type character who should be below deck somewhere. Paul, what are you doing here? I just came mm-hmm. up to visit. I don't know. I got lonely down there. They, 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 they trap me in that little glass booth all day. And uh, what am I, I supposed? Just... What am I supposed to do when Tilly's not around? <laughs> and she's up here most of the time now. Hey, step into my office. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Great fucking life. Just that little her head off... thing where her head sort of dips. Down. Hey, buddy. Yep. Yeah, except she was talking to you know Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Yeah, well, she likes him. Uh, does she? Yeah, she was the one that was, like, way back in season one when there was all, like... No, I remember that, but since all that shit happened, does she still like it? I... Look, man, I don't know why anyone likes him, but some people do. I guess. We're not getting a whole lot of Tilly lately. We're not getting a whole lot of a lot of people lately. Well, Tilly had a couple episodes back, and they weren't the best, so... No, but, I mean, I, I regardless, like, mm. Tilly and Saru both feel, like, almost as, as little as, like, Detmer and Owu and all those guys mm-hmm. now, you know? Like, we need, like, I love Michael Burnham. I really do. Yeah. But there needs to be more characters. Like, they're already here. Let them, let them do some stuff, well, you know? You know, they both had a couple episodes each this season. Like, now we're getting back into the Spock stuff. Yeah, but it should feel more like an ensemble and oh, less I, like... I agree, but... Now it's Michael's turn, you know? You know. But, eh, whatever. This is where we are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what was your bad thing? So, apparently the reason that Spock and Michael don't get along is because Michael, Harry, and the Hendersons Spock back when he was a kid. (laughs) Now, look, those are some very biting insults, and Michael is exactly the kind of person who knows exactly the right insult to ruin you for the rest of your life. Even even at age 11 or whatever it was. Yeah, right? But, man, he's still mad. That doesn't bother me at all. All right. I, I like 
because she she says, "Don't follow me, you weird half breed." Like, wow, that's the one. Like, yeah, dude, you broke his personality. Yeah, he was trying to integrate his human and Vulcan halves to that point. You were going to teach me like, to be human. We we're going to go live on Earth someday. Yeah, and that he actually says that. Yeah, and. She's like, uh, fuck off. I don't want any part of you. And he like at that moment, what he says was at that moment, he decided to focus on the Vulcan side. What really was going on there was very clear. His human feelings got hurt so bad that he didn't want to feel anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. actually. Very, I'm coming around on this. <laughs> and I like their relationship because of that. Mm -hmm. It's there's some hostility there, but there's also clearly love. They're joking around. My favorite moment in the whole episode where he completely won me over mm -hmm. is where the illusion uh, illusion versions of them are on the section 31 ship and they kind of reveal what's going on and she says say goodbye spock and i was like oh please say it please say it please don't be afraid to say something this stupid and he did he yep. put up the live long and prosper and he said good night spock I'm like yes that's real good the show needs to embrace like don't be dumb all the time Go for the stupid laugh okay every now and it's then. It's okay to have levity occasionally, guys. Like, oh my this was I mean, one of Enterprise's problems. Oh, yeah. No, and this show has it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not even just saying levity, because there's some good, you know, like I said, that Saru moment, the, the, oh, the yeah. snarky bit. Like, there's a few things. But Giving to it to go Spock with, is a big deal, though. To give Spock. Spock a hacky vaudeville joke mm -hmm. is an extra, like, going an extra layer of... of okay, we're not taking ourselves completely yeah. seriously. And I feel like because it's his sister, like, you know what? They probably, he probably starting to remember they joked around his kids. Like, yeah, I'm going to make a dumb joke right now because well, my sister's things, here. You're different around your family than you are around everyone else. Yeah. And I don't know. I really liked it. Also, I don't know if it was an intentional reference to Star Trek Four, but the uh, say goodnight, Gracie, goodnight, Gracie mm. was a George, and George Burns and Gracie Allen thing, which... The whales in Star Trek Four were named George and Gracie, and I, that might be a reach, but feels like a reference to me. That's and I, like it. I can see that it's it, it's better than you know Lieutenant Kyle's beard beard is a for, is foreshadowing <laughs> his mustache. I'll tell you that. Okay, but that was Memory Alpha. Uh, this is the actual writers. So um, I don't know. I'd like to think that it was a reference. If not, I saw it as one. We also get the return of Live Long and Prosper to rhyme with "fuck you," which is awesome. Yep. No, it was very good, and I like those two together, and. I hope they keep this up. Yeah. I didn't expect to like this. And I kind of do. Yeah. So, you know, more of this, please. Yeah, we'll see. More of this, uh, less of other things. A lot of the Red Angel stuff, I'm still really like, it's more than ever feels like the resolution is going to be some predestination thing. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think the Red Angel is? Uh, Probably Michael. Yeah. That's probably my top... Uh, I had someone talk to me on, on uh, Twitter this week who said it might be uh, What's-His-Face from the future, the craft uh, guy, which I could see. Daniels? No, not Daniels. Fuck Daniels. No, from the short. Uh, the future Oh, craft. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that might be. Uh, uh, Irish Gav actually suggested maybe it's uh, someone like a setup for the Picard show because it's from the future. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, because they're trying to tie into to their other show, like the Section 31 show so hard, maybe they're also going to do that. Yeah, I can see that. I hope not. I don't want that. I think it's Spock because right now he thinks it's human and that would be a twist to say, oh, I thought it was human, but it was me Yeah. because part of me is human and I'm becoming more human every day. Okay. I can see that too. But uh, 
whatever it is, it's so clearly intervening at crucial times. Like, it saved Michael's life because she has a special destiny. Mm-hmm. And it guided Discovery to several uh, situations that required their attention. Yeah. It's so clearly someone who has a vested interest in Michael and Discovery who is guiding them where they need to go. So I can't think of, like, I would love for them to surprise me, like I always say, but I can't think of any scenario where this is worth, like, like worth all, all of, of the buildup. <laughs> it's going to be Shatner coming back in time to save his best friend Spock. I mean, it could be. <clears throat> it won't be, but it could be. I'd like to be on Star Trek now, please. Someone asked him recently if he would do a Picard show type mm-hmm. thing. Why? Why? Why are you even asking him that? We don't just, need to. Guys, nobody we don't, wants. We that. don't need to talk to Bill Shatner anymore. Please. No, just, yeah. Please. Just let him do whatever he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. Didn't he just record cowboy songs or something? Probably. Yeah. Something. I mean, say what you will. The guy keeps busy. <laughs> or a metal album, or some some kind of novelty album of of all songs that are the same. And he definitely I don't just did a Christmas album. I can tell. Christmas you that much. album. That's what it was. I'm just going through the the village people of novelty music albums. Like there's there's the cowboy, there's the um, you know, the metal guy, yeah. and then there's the Santa Claus. Sing along with Shatner. Yeah, I'll I'll take the um the Chris Pine Christmas album from Spider-Verse any yeah. day. If I if I have to listen to a Captain Kirk singing Christmas songs, <laughs> I'd much rather it be the one that's pretending to be Spider-Man. Yeah. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Also, did you know that that album is real? I did. The Spider-Verse Christmas album? I did. I want it. Very good. Yep. Next Christmas when you're looking for music to put on. Oh, I will. <laughs> I like that song um, mostly because at, at about the halfway point, Spider-Man realizes it's a stupid song. <laughs> <laughs> that is very good. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? What else? I took a lot of notes on this one. I, I took my usual amount, but I think we've covered most of it. Um, oh, I had another thought this week uh, tying into the uh, the shorts. Yeah. Uh, Miriam ends up as the compu- the ship's computer that shows up in the future. Or Ariam, I should say. Mm, maybe. Uh, that's that's kind of an outside chant because... Got to download her out of her robot body that's got the virus, and then they put her yeah, in the I, computer. I, I, get, I get where you're coming from, mm-hmm. story-wise, but I think... The character has been so sort of stiff and robotic, and the computer was so warm and human. Yeah, right. Well, a thousand years will do that to you. That is that is true. That is true. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying... What we need to do is start setting up odds for all our dumb guesses. Like, I think that's possible, but I think it's more like 10 to 1. You are saying last week we should do the Karnak thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it in a sealed envelope. And then we'll open it on the last episode. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I... Like, I am... I would say there's a 50% chance that the Red Angel is either Michael or Spock. Yeah. Like, the the other one, there are other possibilities that kind of make sense, but it's it's about 50-50 that it's one of those two. Yeah. Which, you know. Honestly, and then, at this yeah, point, my money's on Spock. It could be either. Yeah. but I uh, see arguments for both. Yeah. I, I Michael usually does stupid things for other people, or mm. she thinks she's doing them for other people, but for herself. I don't see her doing something so nakedly uh, uh, selfish as rescuing herself from death. Yeah, right. That's but but maybe she did. I don't know. Maybe no, someone I, realizes there'll be a paradox if she's not alive to start the Klingon War and get all this Red Angel stuff happening. And I I don't fucking know. Yeah, whatever. There, uh, like seriously, I keep trying to think of what a satisfying payoff to that would be, and I can't think of one. There must be one. Yeah, 
but I can't think of one. Yeah. And we're both pretty versed in how Star Trek works. Mm -hmm. Having been the only podcast that's, that's to cover all know, of it, discussed all of it, all yeah. of it, every single thing. Never forget. We did. We've seen all of it. You yep. know why? Because we'll never forget. <laughs> well, that's not true. I forget. Honestly, if we hadn't recovered the cage a couple of months ago, I might not have caught all the stuff. I'm gonna be like 97 years old in an old in an old age home with horrible Alzheimer's, and just I gotta record without this week. <laughs> What's I mean? What are the that, episodes? <laughs> there's probably gonna there'll probably be more. Mm -hmm. Like the way they're going now. Yep. I don't know what we're gonna do if they run more than one at a time, though. How do I get a hold of him? Twitter's been gone for 80 years. <laughs> How how long do you think you're going to live? I mean, ideally. If Twitter ended today, 80 years from now would make you 120? Well, with advances in technology. 110? I don't know how old you are. 110. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, No. Got a quote? I do have a quote. It is this. You saw the red angel. First as a child. Then again a few months ago. What is it? Who is it? If I knew we would not be here. I was asking rhetorically. Then at least ask something I've never asked of myself. Can we have a better version of this conversation? Is there a valuable question in your arsenal? Yes. Do you actually think the beard is working? They they, they bicker very well. They do. It It's shades of him and bones without just being the same thing. Yeah. Because there's an extra layer of we've got history, we're siblings. Mm. Which is good. And I hope, like, okay, now they're on a little firmer ground. I hope they stay there. Yeah, right? I hope this wasn't just a fluke. I hope they're on a better course. Yeah. We, we will see. More of this, please. More of this going forward. There's there's an episode of QI. QI loves to lead its panelists into traps and ask them obvious questions that you don't know, actually know the answers to. Like, how many moons does the Earth have? Yeah, right. And... Every now and then the answer is actually the uh, the thing you think it is. Like one out of 15 times. And David Mitchell got one of those. He's like, wait, so the answer actually was the Earth has one moon? This is what a bully does. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Discovery. <laughs> you, okay. Like I'm settling it. All right. Well, this is a bad show. I know how to deal with a bad show. I've, I've reviewed worse shows than this. And yeah, then they right? give me a good one. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to hit you. Why would you think I was going to hit you? Well, because you hit me the last seven weeks. Yeah. No, this week I'm going to hand you something nice. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, this is what a bully does. <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine. It's demonstrably fine. Demonstrably fine. fine. All right. So that is all for this week. And if I am not mistaken, mm -hmm. this is the last week of the season where we are doing this alone. I think it's all guests from here on out. Ooh. Yes, it is. Heading uh, into so Palooza. Yes. Well, we kind of backloaded this. Like, I, nobody really knew what they were getting because we didn't even have titles. We just yeah, right. had weeks. Yeah. So, and as it happens, Tidro will be here in my home visiting hmm. um, next week. So uh, she will be on next week for Project Daedalus. Da Daedalus? Daedalus? I think it's Daedalus. Daedalus. I think. Yeah. Uh, so look forward to that. Oh, that's uh, going to tie into the whole fucking winged angel thing right there. Uh, that would be fine if then it ended, but I feel like, I mean, we're only going to episode uh, nine next week, and the the season has 14, so mm -hmm. I feel like we're in for a lot more. Like, we're only just past the halfway point. Yeah. 
Uh, the the following week is called the Red Angel, so maybe the reveal will be there. It's got to be it, please, for the love of God. We'll see, but we got like four more episodes after that, All so right. I I don't know. We thought we weren't going to get Spock till the end. Yeah, so. they didn't Dougie us at least. I was certain they were going to Dougie us. Yeah, would not like to be Dougied two years in a row. Thank you. I am Starfleet. <laughs> All right. So that that is all for this time. Uh, our if you would like to reach us, our email address is postatomichorror at gmail. We we always enjoy hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is a bit of a longer season, uh, we will not be getting to your email for quite some time, but we will answer it in our next supplemental. We promise. Yep. Uh, the website postatomichorror.com, the Tumblr postatomichorror.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt. Yep. If you uh, like the show and want to help out, uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com/algar. That's two A's. Yes. Anything that, helps. Uh, yes. Gives you early access to the episodes. Uh, look at our notes on these episodes. Yeah. And if you if you donate at the top tier, uh, when we run out of Star Trek, when we're in that weird period waiting for more stuff, we're going to be reviewing sort of one-off things. You can actually pick a thing. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not Deadly Games. Explore the notes to find out which male, ver- which male character on this show I'm attracted to. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it's Pike. Uh, you mean who you would fuck the taste out of his mouth? Yep. You need a new phrase. I like that, but you use it a lot. Well, you need you know you need to expand your uh, your thirst vocabulary. Is all I'm saying. It's a fair point. Would you? There's so many ways. There's so many shades you can paint that thirst in. Would you prefer I be serviced? I mean, I didn't even mean that. Like I was just parsing that phrase, fan service. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am a fan, so service me. I wasn't, you know. I wasn't trying to take that anywhere sexual. It just kind of went there on Uh its own. It sure did. Yeah. Uh, And of course, there is our new uh, fanfic project, which we are incredibly proud of. Endeavor Uh, is here. Yes. Finally. Yes, it is here. USSEndeavor.com. That is Endeavor without a U. Mm-hmm. We, uh, it is on iTunes. It is on Stitcher. You can uh, plug the RSS feed directly into any other podcast app you have and, and subscribe. We are so happy with how it turned out. There's so many things that we want to see in Star Trek that we're just not seeing. And so we're like, you know what? We'll write our own. Yep. And we did. Yeah. And we have an amazing cast of performers. We have uh, English Gav helping us make the science make internal sense. We have uh, Rich DeThorne, the Mm -hmm. uh, composer who wrote an amazing original theme for Uh us. Just so many great people helping to collaborate and make this good. And if you go to that website, you will see a staggering amount of listener artwork from so many different very talented people. Uh, And if you contribute any artwork whatsoever, that automatically entitles you to the Patreon reward where you get the show early. Yeah. Basically, your drawing is same as cash. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing 10 episodes in this season. There's still nine left. So $5 a month times nine is 45 bucks. So basically, we're giving you $45 worth of uh, of benefits for one drawing. That's just good content, people. Yeah. Shop around. You can't do better than that. <laughs> are we QVCing this now? <laughs> Our prices right. are so low, you'll think we're crazy. Well, we're pretty crazy, I think. I'll club but- a seal to make a better deal. Not not in that interesting Joker way, but more in the uh, you know I've I've got some depression stuff and you got some anxiety stuff. Uh-huh. Not not the fun crazy, just the the real crazy. Genuine Star Trek products. Uh, no 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 no! Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> all right, that's all for this week. All right, see ya, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Elgar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>